temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hit and run, Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. One, two, pitch. And is smoked into right and into the corner. Aaron Judge puts the Yankees on top with a three-run shot here in the third. from Cease and Judge in the air to center with Robert to his left in the gap deep enough to score LeMahieu and the Yankees strike first and Judge stings this one to center with Robert racing back and that ball's gone on a line for Judge it's a solo shot and the Yankees lead in the eighth inning there's a line drive base hit to center field Gardner will score. It's the fourth ribby for Judge, and the Yankees lead 5-4. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Well, well, well. Good morning, baseball people. In the middle of August in our two-team town with franchises going in remarkably different directions and a lot to talk about and a short show, so we're going to squeeze it all in there. Good morning. Hope you are well. I am broadcasting, as always, from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And you can get in by calling the phone number and or by texting. And when you text at 312-644-6767, the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. We're out of here at 1130 for Cubs pregame down in Florida. As they are going for, uh, I was going to say going for their 11th straight loss for the second time this season, but that's not really, of course, what they're going for. They're going for their first win after losing 10 straight for the second time in this season. Yeah, it was 11 straight uh, the other time. That began right after the combined no-hitter, and now it's 10 straight. You might know that on the 24th of June, the Cubs were in first place and they threw that combined no-hitter. And since then, they are 10 and 34, 10 and 34. And now the story for the Cubs is a chase for what? Possibly a top five pick in the MLB draft if they wanted to lose games and get in that direction. But humans don't tank organizations sometimes do, but humans do not. We will touch on the Cubs for sure along the way, including some of the position players you're looking at now, wondering who the keepers might be from that batch. Wanted a chance to discuss that with you guys on a Sunday morning. We'll do that. 
But and we will also talk about some Cubs prospects later on. Um, Jack McMullen does play-by-play for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and they have often played the South Bend Cubs. And among others, he has seen Alexander Canario this week. He has seen Bryce Ball. He has seen um, Kevin Alcantara, I believe. Uh, he's seen a lot of different people. I have the list. He's seen a ton of big-time prospects, including Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers, who just went off the other day. That's a former number one overall pick. But love talking baseball with Jack, who does happen to be my nephew. It's true. Um, and we'll talk about a lot of those prospects that the Cubs got back in the trades, and he has seen and can give you some up-close perspective on them. Canario had an amazing week down there, and that's one of the guys they got from San Francisco for Chris Bryant, and he's got a lot of people excited. So we'll do that along the way for sure but we have to start on the south side where the white Sox lost an incredibly compelling game they battled their butt off came back a couple of different times jose abreu with some two out magic in the ninth and he knew it and as always it seems i will preside over a meeting of the jose abreu appreciation society that dude what a player, what a hitter, what a clutch hitter. He's one of those guys who makes clutch deniers admit that it's a thing because that dude rises up. And you could look at his career numbers with runners in scoring position. You can look at his high leverage numbers, if you like, late and close and all of that. And you can also just simply watch him and also look at his RBI numbers. And I know the RBI stat is fraught with, um, with issues and, and people want to talk about how it's an opportunity stat. And it is largely that, but it's not just that. That guy is a run producer and thinks like it and does whatever he can, which is why it was a flat-out shock last night when after the Yankees dropped a pop-up or just lost it um, and, uh, there in, in foul territory and Jose Abreu got another chance, when he hit into a double play, it, you're shocked. You're shocked. There are men on. This is when Jose usually comes through. And he did have four other hits during the course of the night. But my goodness, that guy. A really fun game last night with a crazy atmosphere. The park is loaded. Coming off the Field of Dreams experience on Thursday when the White Sox were part of the most viewed regular season game in Major League Baseball since 2005, and we all know what happened in 2005. And just, just a remarkably good moment for the White Sox. And then there they are last night playing the Yankees, and oh, by the way, losing the game. With another opportunity for Tim Anderson at the end to be a hero again. But it was all just asking a little bit too much. But... You know, I saw some people saying, oh, it's playoff atmosphere. I don't know. It's not a playoff atmosphere because that's even more heightened. That's even more ridiculous. But it's it's what happens when a really good team that has already been to the playoffs plays another really good team late in a regular season. It's it's that it's really good team regular season stuff, not playoff stuff. But. Maybe just not used to having it. Certainly not used to having it around there. But look, the comps have always been there, as last year was the White Sox bonus year. Just before you thought their window of contention was going to be, they were really, really good. And it was a surprise, and it felt lovely. 
And even though the playoff um, loss was disappointing, it still came along with that feeling of next, which has remained and which is still there. And then this year, right in the middle of the window, in year one, when you have legit World Series aspirations, yeah, it feels like Cubs 2016. Last year felt like Cubs 2015. This year felt like Cubs 2016. And I don't draw the Cubs comp just to, you know, bring Cubs fans in. I draw it as a man who has had the good fortune to broadcast in this two-team town for a lot of years, and specifically over the last 12 to watch two rebuilds take place and to see them happen in different ways, but have the feelings be similar in terms of when you arrive, you know? So as I'm watching that thing last night, it's taken me to uh, a 2016 series at Wrigley against the, the Cardinals in August. I remember Anthony Rizzo winning a game with a walk-off walk against the Cardinals, a John Lester game in August. And the Brewers came in and got swept at Wrigley. Here come the Oakland A's after the Yankees. Two really good teams. And in this case, it's not your division rivals. Hell, there's nobody in your division of consequence this year. But the White Sox with a chance to measure themselves against really good teams. The Yankees right here and the Oakland A's coming after. Man, those A's are special really unique and cool and as an organization they're exemplary just keep getting it done and the white Sox will get a chance to have them right here so good stuff good fun exciting regular season baseball stuff for the white Sox and the yankees i am very impressed with dylan cease lately a few weeks back i asked about Keuchel or Cease in a game four in the playoffs. Dylan Cease, I I mean, I know you want him to go a little bit longer. Sometimes it's been thorough dominance with high K numbers and low hit numbers. Did that at Wrigley during Cubs Sox. But if you just watch Cease these days, the variety, the speed changes, the change up, the Zen-like comfort and a great article on The Athletic this week about how C seeks balance in his life and dominance on the mound or whatever the wording was. Longtime meditation guy, Dylan Cease, neurofeedback guy. Interesting dude. But boy, I'm enjoying watching him on the mound. Game four of a potential playoff series is his in my mind. And, you know, if for some reason you're going to have to throw Dylan Cease earlier because of injury or something like that, I don't think you freak out about it. I think you realize that that dude is very, very capable of stepping up and giving you some excellence. There's a lot going on in that game last night. And I want to talk about it with you at 312-644-6767. We will get to the closer problems. And there are closer problems. We talked about it last week in this time slot about the mentality it takes to be a ninth inning guy and how if you're asked to be an eighth inning guy, isn't it natural, and it certainly is to me, that you wouldn't be quite as amped up. You wouldn't be quite as locked in focus-wise. And that matters. The human factor matters a great deal for certain positions in baseball, and closer is undoubtedly one of them. So what's going on in the minds of Hendricks and Kimbrell right now? As Liam Hendricks has now given up seven runs over his last, what, inning and a third? Or inning and two-thirds, something like that? There are closer problems. 
There are 26 closers in Speaks baseball. just technically. I think you said earn runs, and the first run last night wasn't earned. Because okay. runner on second rules. Uh, yes, that is true. So thank you. So seven runs, not seven earned. Thank you. Of the 26 closers in baseball with at least 10 saves, and some of them are not closers. James Karinchak of Cleveland has 10 saves. Hansel Robles of the Twins has 10 saves. So this is everybody in baseball who has at least 10 saves. There are 26 of them. No one has given up more home runs than Liam Hendricks. Nobody. 11. 11 homers for Hendricks. And amazingly, his whip, his walks plus hits per innings pitch, is still 0.82. It's not as low as it was, but at 0.82, he has the third best whip of any of those relievers with at least 10 saves. The best is Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman, the uh, former Mariner. And right there after Graveman is Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell has a 0.78 whip and Liam with a 0.82. But anyway, 26 relievers with at least 10 saves. Hendricks has given up 11 home runs. Rysel Iglesias has given up 10 home runs. Ian Kennedy has given up 8 home runs. Karen Chak, the aforementioned Indian, has given up 8 home runs. But Hendricks, 11? It's too many. I want to talk about that with you. We will hear Tony LaRusso talk about those guys in our next segment. I have felt since, since the trade, I was like, man, Kimbrel's better. Do I just go to this now and talk about it with you? I'm, I'm dying to. Can you tell I'm dying to? Kimbrel's better. We'll talk about it next segment along with some sound from Tony LaRusso. Let me keep bouncing on that White Sox game a little bit. Garrett Crochet looking filthy. Last night, absolutely filthy for Garrett Crochet, striking out three. And you know what was amazing about that Crochet appearance? Bunch of change-ups. Mixing in the change-up. Goodness. So fastball and slider and change for Crochet. Messing with people's timing, messing with people's eye level. That might have been the most impressive he has been. And so into it, pumped up and walking off. It has indeed played out that Crochet and Kopech are ambidextrous gravy, as a man said before the season began. And a t-shirt was designed, but never to be sold. Can Crochet teach Kimbrel his changeup? Remember, Kimbrel's got one, but he's thrown it a total of three times in his MLB life. You think Kimbrel needs a changeup? I don't think so. I'm just being snarky. I think Kimbrel just needs the ninth. That's really all I think, frankly. They have gravy. They have, like, two-sided, ambidextrous gravy. That's what they have with Crochet and Kopech. Garrett looking filthy last night. And with Bummer pitching the way he is, man, this bullpen is setting up as long as, as, long as Hendricks doesn't give up, you know, giant piles of home runs every time that he's out there, which seems to be an issue of late. We have to mention a couple other things about that White Sox game. Eloy Jimenez... In left, did you guys see the running catch? Did you see his offhand feeling for the wall as he made that running catch at the wall last night? Eloy Jimenez with some savvy defensive outfield stuff. What's going on? 
He's never going to be a great outfielder. Of course. He just has to be a competent and thoughtful outfielder and to play it safe at times, which he is doing as well. This is a, a really interesting moment because it appears as though Eloy has gotten the message. There have been times where he does not dive wisely. There have been times where he goes and he comfortably plays. Was it the Wilson Contreras double off the wall at Wrigley the other day where he very comfortably and relaxedly played it off the wall? Nobody's going to get an extra base on you as long as you don't really screw it up. You're in left. And it looks like Eloy has learned some things and he loves being out there. He absolutely loves it. It is part and parcel of his personality, of his relationship with the game. I talked about this on Parkins and Spiegel. Um, there were, you know, at, at that game at, at, at Cubs Sox at Wrigley the other night on a Sunday night, watching that. So I guess it's last week already, but still haven't had a chance to mention it here. Eloy messing with the crowd after he made a catch down the left field line, holding the ball up to the crowd like, oh, you guys want the ball? Should I throw you the ball? Yeah, no. And then turns and throws it into the infield. Playful. Dude likes being out there. That isn't nothing. I mean, you don't want it to be the deciding factor and you don't want it to let it make you, you know, make bad decisions. But when you've got a situation at full strength where you're going to need that DH spot for the soon-to-be-returning Yasmani Grandal or the occasional Jose Abreu or the occasional Andrew Vaughn, although you could have Vaughn and left instead, of course, but it's okay if Eloy's out there. I think he's learned uh, a big, big lesson, and he's playing like a guy who has learned a big, big lesson. I believe when Grandal comes back, um, the, the long-desired launching of Jake Lamb directly into the sun will indeed take place. Looking at the roster crunch, looking at what needs to happen for that roster, especially when Grandal comes back and you're just about at full strength, I don't see the utility for Jake Lamb on this roster, right? I mean, we will have reached the end, I do believe, of that particular chapter. So look, there's a ton of things to discuss on this radio show today. And the phone lines are open for you. I, I have a lot of things to get to. I mentioned several of the Cubs things, which I will get to along the way. I get to mention the name Bobo Holloman and tell you about a remarkable baseball family moment from last night. We will talk about a former Chicago superstar who comes back right into the midst of a pennant race and the emotions surrounding that. The voice of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, Jack McMullen, in a little more than an hour. I got to talk fast. You got to hop in fast because I'm only here until 1130. It's hit and run. I am Matt Spiegel right here on 670 The Score. We'll come back and get deeper into the closer situation and hear from the manager about said closers next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. 
In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Puffin and Puffin with a count two and one on Aaron Judge. High fly ball. This ball is way out of here. One-run game. At the time, it made it 3-2 Yankees. And Judge stings this one to center with Robert racing back. And that ball's gone. On a line for Judge. It's a solo shot. And the Yankees lead in the eighth inning. Welcome back in on 670 to score. Matt Spiegel, your host for Hit and Run. On a Sunday morning, tough week for Liam Hendricks. Let's, um, let's get a couple of facts out up front. And these are, these are facts, okay? Career-wise, in terms of accomplishments and extended periods of dominance, Craig Kimbrell is better than Liam Hendricks. Right now, currently, as they have looked this year, numbers-wise... Craig Kimbrell is better than Liam Hendricks. The secondary pitch that both men use to get hitters to chase, to uh, get hitters to be uh, fearful of that secondary pitch so then the fastball can be blown by them when they're not ready, the secondary pitch that each throws, for Hendricks it's the slider, for Kimbrel, it's the knuckle curve. The, the Kimbrel knuckle curve is better than the Hendricks slider. That is undeniable. There is nobody that you would ask in all of baseball and say, hey, which is a better pitch? The Kimbrel knuckle curve or the Hendricks slider? There's, there's just no question. Now, that is not the only deciding factor, but I just gave you a couple others, too. So, look... Those are, those are facts. And then in terms of soft factors, in terms of the mentality, like we discussed a lot last year or last week, I think Kimbrell needs the ninth to be at his best. That was the point of my conversation there last week. I think he needs it to be at his best. And now we're talking about um, just who would be more dominant, who would be better in that situation. Hendricks is a guy who is usually capable of creating enough energy and emotion to get himself amped up for any situation. But he's struggling right now. And maybe it has nothing to do with emotion and anger and intensity for Liam Hendricks. Maybe that fastball just looks really, really straight. And that slider is not super dominant. 
And I, I don't know. I need to do a, a dive into spin rates for Hendricks and for Kimbrell. Sean Anderson is our producer, um, an avid White Sox uh, fan, avid White Sox observer, and researcher. Has, has somebody done that work for us, Sean, on the four-seam fastball specifically for those two guys? I wonder what the spin rate change has been since the 1st of June. I'm on it. Thank you, sir. Because it, they've both been guys where the four-seamer has to have that carry or have that ride, like Ross has talked about Kimbrel. It's got to have that look of a rising fastball, that absence of drop, to be dominant on its own. And to my eyes, the Hendricks fastball looks really straight right now. And the Kimbrel one still looks like it has a little bit of that giddy-up. A little bit of that deception that makes it look like it's rising. Now, maybe the changes have been small, if anything, but things have happened around the league. The game hasn't been disrupted as much as I feared, and I'm thankful for that. But certain pitchers have had to change their arsenal. Certain pitchers have been less effective than they were. Last night, we had the first no-hitter since the uh, Sticky Stuff Enforcement. After having, what, seven before that? A ridiculous seven before that. We had our first one last night. That's a story we'll talk about at some point during the show because it was really cool. So anyway, I'm talking about how their fastballs look. And I got I know, you on the, I on know the, the secondary pitches. I know the secondary pitches that Kimbrel's one is better. All right, so live research, live on the air. And I don't know if this will back up my points or my, 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 my idea or, or anything like that. It might not. But that's, you know, let, let's get some true answers here. Sean, what do you see in terms of spin rates for Kimbrel and for Hendricks? So we'll start with Hendricks. Um, the fastball, it's gone down since June. But I don't know if it's gone down a significant amount, amount that I'd be worried. Uh, in June, it was at uh, 2,407. Then right. in July, it was at 2,344. Okay, so that's down a little bit less than 100 RPM. So that June one, though, how, do, you have, um, do you have May? Do you have April and May? Yeah, so uh, a- April, it was 2,415. Okay. May, 2,430. Okay. Uh, June, 2,407. Uh-huh. Uh, in July, 2,344. Uh, 2, okay, so it's down almost 100 from May to July, correct? Um. Yes, so, 2,430 to 2,344. So, yeah, 100. 80, so 86, about 86. So down about 100. That's, that's not a ton. That's probably not enough to make a, a, a massive difference, I don't think. But, boy, it sure, it sure looks like that fastball is very, very straight. And sometimes what happens is that location needs to be better. He's throwing a lot of fastballs right down the pipe. Well, and that was something that was mentioned. I think it was on uh, the radio side was that within that judge at bat was that he did not have control over his his curve slash slider. So then he was just basically throwing fastballs to judge just to get it over the plate. Yeah. So, look, I, I, um, I am worried about the situation. 
from the White Sox perspective. When, when they got Kimbrell, the talk from Tony, the initial talk from Tony was that they would both get save chances, that they would both get opportunities in the ninth inning, and that it would be situational and kind of based on rest. And maybe it's because the save situations have not come one after another after another. They haven't. So the opportunities have not been there. And last night, of course, it should be mentioned, both of them pitching in a tie situation, not in a save situation. But anyway, Tony said they'd both get their chances. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is yet to sniff the ninth inning in a save situation for the White Sox. Hasn't, hasn't had it. So at this point now, if Kimbrell gets the next save chance, it is going to play like a demotion or a change of roles. It's probably going to play like that. Asked Steve Stone about that on Friday, and he said, you can't worry about that because Liam's a big boy, and both Liam has said that he'll be fine with whatever role, as Kimbrell has said as well. You can't worry about how that plays. Can't worry about how that might affect somebody. I think managers do have to worry about that stuff, just have to talk about it and communicate it as best they can. Let's listen to Tony after last night. After both of them gave up home runs, Kimbrell gave up a solo shot. And then Hendricks obviously gave up the three runs. Let's um, let's hear Tony LaRusso on his two closers last night. You know what I saw with Kimberly and with Liam? Those are not safe situations, right? And 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 not that they can't get the outs. You got to give credit to the guys that got the hits. That's not their classic. You know, whether it's the eighth inning with a lead or the ninth inning with a lead, I'm not making excuses for it. It's just it's the truth. And they both uh, could have gotten the outs and and the, the guys put swings on them, but those are not safe situations. And I hope the next time that you see them take them out and we have a lead. I guess just speaking to that, is that, you know, an adjustment period you expect, obviously you're not going to use those guys in safe situations every time because you got two of them. Is that an adjustment period you have to see them work through? No, you got to play the game. You got to play the game. You know, we have a chance to win. You know, the the score is what it is. And and you send your best guy out there. It's Kimbrough. It's just, you know, he's in a tie game and, and, uh, so you understand that that's an adjustment, but they can adjust, but you know, you're not going to not pitch them because we're not ahead. I mean, it, you know, so it's the reality of the competition. You know, a lot of times you, you do what you have to do. Now it's not what you want to do. We wanted to win the game. So it didn't work out. It did not work out. As Tony LaRusso talking about his two closers, uh, you know, it's interesting. A lot of you guys getting in via text at 312-644-6767. Kimbrell should close, but you got to spin it. Liam deserves to be moved, but you can't sell it to him that way. Got to frame the seventh or the eighth as a prize. That said, maybe Hendricks is stronger mentally than I'm assuming. Yeah, oh, he's very strong mentally. Liam Hendricks has been, was he DFA'd like four times? At least three times. Liam Hendricks has bounced around, been through hell as a player trying to make it and has figured it out. That's a very, very strong guy. So, you know, I, 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 I don't worry about that too much. But you're going to get some backlash towards Liam. Hendricks, the celebrity, should do less interviews and work on his slider. Hmm. People upset about Hendricks doing an interview in the uh, sixth inning in the bullpen and then coming in. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, that big a factor. I do not. His personality is what it is when it comes to speaking. When it comes to 
speaking to the media and being garrulous and then still being himself on the mound. My concern is the straightness of that fastball and the location of it. That is my concern. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can dial it up and get involved on Hit and Run. I've thrown out a lot of different things. The closers, uh, Garrett Crochet looking filthy last night, the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. Um, I have a growing love affair with another White Sox player that I'm going to have to talk about at some point. And we've also talked about Eloy Jimenez in the outfield. And I believe that is what has drawn the phone call from our guy Stan in Bellwood, who's now on 670, the score on hit and run. Good morning, Stan. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How about yourself, Steve? I'm wonderful, man. Thank you. Great show, as usual. Love the baseball talk and the White Sox talk. Uh, just can't wait, uh, can't wait for the postseason. But, I, you know, I got to push back uh, on you a little bit with uh, on your contention that it's a good it's a good thing to have Eloy out there playing the outfield because he likes being out there. Uh, that's 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 not that's not a good enough reason for me. Uh, I am decidedly in the hey, no camp in hey, playing Stan, him in the outfield. Hold on one second. For the sake of sure. accuracy, for the sake of accuracy, that is not the predominant reason to have him out there, but it does matter to me. More well, than I didn't it, say it, predominant or no. Okay. I, I don't care. I, you know, I don't want him out there under any circumstances. And I listen. Baseball history is littered with guys uh, that uh, have the baseball finding them in the postseason and costing their team a series or a game at the most inopportune time. Manny Ramirez, Lonnie Smith, Kyle Schwarber. Mickey Rivers, you know, the list goes on and on. You know, the White Sox have a great chance this year of winning the whole thing, and I don't want to take a chance on that by doing something that's unnecessary. Defense matters. The ball will find you in the postseason when you don't need it to, and it's just unnecessary, and I don't get it. I don't want him out there. Uh, they, you know, he's a menace. I, I know he's having fun. And I know he wants to play. But you got better guys. You don't have to do it. So, you know, I'm, I'll be very interested in hearing what you have to say if the White Sox go down in the fifth game of the playoffs or if they lose a game uh, in which, uh, you know, Rodon or Giolito or Lancelin pitch their guts out because he misplays a fly ball or throws to the wrong base because he's out there when somebody else could be out there. You know, it's just too risky and it's unnecessary. So, I, you know, I got to push back uh, on you on that. The White Sox have too good a team to be screwing around with Eloy when they don't have to do it. So All right. I, that, let, let, me, let, me, let, me put, let me push back on you for a minute. I appreciate it, Stan. Um, baseball history is also littered with feeble fielders who make themselves serviceable in left field and are part of championship teams out there. And they often get protected defensively, not just by the existence of a real good center fielder like Luis Robert, but they get protected by not being out there for the final two or three innings of a playoff game. They get protected by not being out there for every single playoff game. And he won't be. He won't be. Um, and maybe he won't be out there for any playoff games because of the points that you make. But down the stretch here over the next two months, while you're grinding and you're um, going to need that DH spot for Grandal, 
for occasionally Abreu, for others, I think it's not as big a concern as you have. Now, you're talking about the playoffs. And again, like, was, was Schwarber a defensive liability in the playoffs? Yeah. But did that really, truly cost them? No, that wasn't the cost. The cost was they did not hit. That, that was the reason. And as long as the White Sox hit and homer enough, they'll be all right with him out there from time to time. So, look, I, I understand what you're saying very much. Their defense is concerning at times, that is for sure. And he is certainly a part of that. And uh, the, the biggest concern, but it is in a the lowest premium position. Absolute lowest premium position. And is more survivable uh, often than not. It's the injury that's the terror. He's actually made lots of nice plays, as you've seen. The injury is the terror. Not, not as much the errors, the misplay, or a bad throw. It's the injury. And if he's playing cautious and smart enough to potentially avoid those injuries, I think he's still young and athletic enough, and you still have enough other needs at DH along the way that it's worth the, uh, the effort and the continued usage of him out there. But look, lots of room for discussion here. And as Stan said, he looks forward to hearing my thoughts if something terrible happens with Eloy out there. This is the kind of stuff that adds tension and drama to potential playoff runs. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You want to hop in via text? You want to hop in on the phone lines either? All right, I can't resist. I thoroughly cannot resist. Hit and run becomes bump and run for a few moments when we come back. Because did you guys happen to see the last drive of the second quarter and the first two drives of the third quarter yesterday? Yes, that's right. I am allowing something to derail our baseball conversation. Next on 670 The Score. Snap back for man rush. Fields hangs in there. Starts to close. He leaves the pocket. Ejects left to the 10, to the 5. Bulls into the end zone with a touchdown. Touchdown Bears! Penalty marker far side of the field, though. Holding on Miami. Put it on the board, baby. Justin Fields, <laughs> an eight-yard touchdown run. And they're on their feet at Soldier Field. 13-9 Miami. Here's the boot again. And Redmond is there to block. Throwback. Fields has Jesse James. Back pedals in. Fields with a touchdown, and the Bears take the lead. It is 670 to score. It is hit and run. And I am your host, Matt Spiegel, asking you, who's the baseball comp for Justin Fields? I used to do a thing um, that I should do again called Good Comp, Bad Comp with uh, our friend Jason Bonetti. And we take baseball players and comp them to absolutely anything. Why not comp a football player to a baseball player? Uh, That was something yesterday. And it is no coincidence that in this town, all conversational roads right now end up at Justin Fields as they should. I saw more number one jerseys in navy, white, and orange downtown yesterday and in my neighborhood here in the South Loop in advance of that game 
than I've ever seen any other number for any other Bears player. And talk to some people who said at the, at the field, at Soldier Field, it was like half. It felt like half of the people were wearing number one. Crazy. And then he was absurdly good yesterday. If you didn't watch, that's, you know, it's okay. It's fine. I understand. It's preseason. It's Saturday at noon, but oh my God. And I'll talk about this more tomorrow on Parkins and Spiegel, of course. But the word that I just kept coming to was calm. Calm. Sure, he could scramble right. Sure, he could draw a cornerback up and then pop it over his head. But he could also comfortably scramble left, step back and go left. He could comfortably just go out of bounds on a first and goal bootleg when there was nothing there. Just go ahead and take two yards, go out of bounds and reset it. And the next play is the scramble touchdown left. Calm. Oh, my God. Patient. Felt like he had that game on a string. He was in charge. And so I was talking about it with producer Sean Anderson, and he popped out with it right away. Who's the cop? Who's the right guy? And it's Juan Soto, the 22-year-old Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, who when he was scouted as a 15-year-old, people said, wow, he's... That guy's got really good plate discipline. When he's in the World Series as a 20-year-old. Dominant. Excellence. Taking pitches. Absurd plate discipline. When he's in the home run derby against Shohei Otani. And it ends up being a swing-off where he gets three swings. You remember what Soto did with his three swings? All three of them were homers. I tie that in because a Buster only somewhat famously um, came up with a stat earlier this year for Juan Soto because there needed to be a stat that showed how his plate discipline goes along with his slugging. Cause that's, what's unique about the guy. The batting average doesn't really do it because it doesn't bring in plate discipline slugging percentage doesn't necessarily show you how consistently he hits the ball hard into play. You can have a great slugging percentage while having a ton of missed swings. He doesn't have missed swings. So Buster created something called crush quotient. And it ties into what Barry Bonds and Ted Williams and others have perfected. It's... Take total bases divided by the number of swings a hitter takes. So, look, you're getting very few pitches to hit. You remember at the height of his powers, Barry Bonds would get like two pitches to hit per series and he would hit them. Ted Williams dealt with that his whole life. And so when you swing, it has to be really, really good. Total bases per 100 swings. Crush quotient. And Juan Soto kills that stat. Anyway, I see Juan Soto's plate discipline, his calm, his patience for a man of his age. And I think of Justin Fields. Sean has found a little piece of tape, I guess two pieces of tape that need to go together. And we're going to hear them here. Okay. 
And we're going to take your phone calls as we get back to baseball at the top of the hour. So Bill and Todd and others on the line, hang in there. 312-644-6767. Lots of Cubs and Sox stuff to do the rest of the show. But I want you to hear this. This is Tony Romo on a podcast on golf.com, actually. When he's t- but he's talking, about, he's talking about golf, and he's talking about football, and he's talking about athletes, about guys who deal with games when they step up in level, and sometimes the game is so fast and you have to get adjusted to it. But certain guys have a really special thing that you might hear them discuss. Listen to Tony Romo talk about that for a moment. The good Lord blessed me with the ability to see and react quickly, think fast, and um, I kind of always had that ability. You know, everyone told you the NFL is going to be so fast, so you get there and it's going to be so fast. And I remember going out to the first practice and everyone's flying around and everything, and I'm like, seems like the exact same speed to me as it did in college. And I'm coming from one double A, and that wasn't about the speed. It was just that, you know, I could see it quickly when people were coming up and I'd throw it before he wraps around the back or, you know, a second before somebody else did or half a second. Problem is I'd throw it in the dirt behind him. So I'd miss for like a year straight. I'd be like, I could see everything. I mean, I can't complete it, but I could see it. But that's one of the few things like, I mean, you, you talk to all these guys that come into the league and they're like, the game just speeds up so much. See, you that's, know I mean? that's where I always think. Yeah. I'm like, whenever you find a quarterback who, because almost everyone does that. Yeah. You know, the game is fast and then it's like, it's starting to slow down for me. And I'm like, then there's that rare guy where he's like, yeah, I don't think the speed of the game was that yeah. big a deal. I think it was more. And then I'm like, uh-oh, watch out for that guy. He's, right, well, his instincts. Uh-oh, watch out for that guy. The game was slow to me. Then listen to Justin Fields. This is after the game yesterday, Sean. Justin Fields talking about the pace of an NFL game, preseason or not. It was actually kind of slow to me, to be honest, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit faster, but, you know, practicing, you know, game speed, going at it with my teammates every day. And, of course, you know, we have a great defense. So uh, me going against them every day, um, it, it definitely slowed, slowed the game up a, a little bit for me. So, um, I mean, I, I felt comfortable out there. And um, I just, you know, I, of course, I have room to grow. So I'm just going to try to get better each and every day. Comfortable. He felt comfortable out there. Yeah, you looked comfortable, Justin. Watch out. Watch out for that guy, as Romo says. The game was actually slow to me. Calm. That, the word I just kept thinking about as I watched that quarterback was calm. I, I don't know how good Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and some of these other people have to be. I, I mean, because Justin Fields is going to be really, really, really good. It's fun to watch. 670, the score is where you are. It is hit and run. Texture says he just kept singing Justin Fields forever. There you go. That's available on the SoundCloud page as well as track two. Because I, I don't know if we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait to see him in week one. I don't think you're going to see him still. I think Matt Nagy's committed to his plan. That's why the waiting is the hardest part. That's out there on the SoundCloud page as well. It's hit and run. We get back to baseball in full. In a matter of moments. Uh, also, next hour at about 1040, we'll talk to a man who has seen up close several of the prospects Cubs acquired in trade. We'll uh, break them down and think about philosophically where the game is going in terms of prospects a little bit, too, with Jack McMullen at 1040. I'm here until 1130. It's Matt Spiegel on 670 The Score. 
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.